Welcome to Properly Cocked. This is a Warhammer 40k podcast in which we count down the top five everything in the game of Warhammer 40k. The object of the exercise being to get the top five ideas that will help you build a better list, play a better game, be a better opponent, whatever it might be, whatever the category is. It's about the conversation as much as it is the destination. And to help us in our efforts, we have three uh, expert panellists, people who are great at the game, including the number one player in the country who's going to teach you this uh, week how to be a little cagey, as the category we're looking at is the top five beginners' mistakes. There's two things that I find really funny about that. Is first of all, it is always a great bluff. So somebody's deploying something, and you just measure and go, oh, that's 12 inches. And they go, what's that for? Don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> and they're, they're like, ah, oh, no, no, that's all good. Yeah, maybe a beginner's mistake is not being sneaky enough. Uh, then in our But Seriously file, Brendan D, former player for New Zealand and Western Australia, uh, tells us about one of the parts of the game that maybe we're all getting a little bit wrong. The real nuanced part of the game is the whole uh, combat phase steps of the pile-in, attack, consolidate. Wherever you are in your game of Warhammer 40k, there is a lot to learn. In some ways, a lot of us are beginners. So, what are the top five mistakes that beginners and even some intermediate players are making in the game? Let's see if we can help you out. We'll start by introducing our three guests this week. Aaron Wilson, g'day mate. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, very good. So, hot off uh, second place at a, an event yesterday, so feeling good about the oh, world. Pretty pretty happy. <laughs> you got you got to feel good about that. <laughs> and Sean Sullivan, welcome back. G'day. G'day mate. Uh, and Brendan D, hello. Hi, good afternoon. Um, that's going left to right for me. Brendan is uh, in Auckland at the moment on a top secret mission, which we can't say anything about, but uh, it's nice to have you as part of it again via Skype. So today's category is beginner's mistakes, and it's uh, something that, you know, it's, it's. I think it's a big deal, and there's, there's lots of people who will be listening going, whether they're beginners or not, who still make uh, mistakes on the way through. And you're, you're learning all the time, which is one of the things I love about this game. You know, it's kind of, as uh, I'm probably older than, not probably, I am older than all of you. <laughs> and one of the great things about the game is there's just always new stuff to pick up. And as they change things and, and release new codexes and new books, there's always more stuff to learn and therefore more mistakes to make. So we'll, we'll just, uh, what we're going to do is uh, go through each of our guests' fifth place. The point of this being, well, really the big point is to give you ideas and, and help you along in your playing of the game. But uh, at the end of it, we're going to get a definitive top five list from our three panellists with their top fives. The top five beginner's mistake starts now at number five. Aaron, what is your uh, fifth place beginner's mistake? Uh, my fifth place is uh, gluing on weapon loadouts to your models. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Good. I like it. Okay. Gluing on the weapons. Which I think is pretty self-explanatory, right? Yeah. Do you know what? You and I got a hard time about magnets when we first started. I don't want to name oh, any names. <laughs> I'm not going to name any names, but there was someone saying, oh, magnets, waste of time. But boy, that is something you learn the hard way. You've just, you've got to have options. Um, any, anyone want to add in anything to that, uh, unless you've got more to say on it? Well, I mean, I'll give you some give examples. Me some examples. Well, you're going to save a lot of money in the long run, aren't you? Yeah. Um, and, well, you're going to need different options, aren't you? Yeah, well, as, as we're saying, as books and, and uh, codex and rules get to get adjusted and points change up and down, it's nice to have the option. Or if you're going up against different armies or into different tournaments or if you just change your mind about what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Um, Sean, Brendan, have anything else to add to that? Or, yeah. or, or you uh, want to argue against it? Well, I think I'm a big fan of magnetising options on my models, but I think you have to learn where to draw the line. Uh, I've certainly gone way overboard on some of my armies. I had a Terminator, a Deathwing army, everything was magnetised. Uh, at some point, you're just not going to swap out that many options. Right. Uh, the worst I ever had was a unit of Wraith Guard and fully magnetised, so you could make them as Wraith Blades with Axe and Shield, Wraith Blades with Dual Swords. You could give them D-sides, you can give them D-cannons. But they're not that expensive a box of models, and for the time and effort that went into all of that, I could have probably just bought more boxes. Yeah. Do you know what I've been doing, though? Is I've just got myself one of those Magnarack things, so you can actually... I've got to put magnets into every single base so they can sit on these, magnet, you know, these magnetic uh, racks for transporting. So now I've got models which are... There's like Araman can go 
on his disc or on foot. And so I've magnetized him to the disc and also to the on foot base and then magnetized the base so that it can go on the magna rack. And I've got other models. So I don't know how many, some of these models have like five magnets. <laughs> like each weapon option is magnetized and the base is magnetized. So yeah. yes. I think I took an army over to uh, Australia for a tournament one year and everything was magnetized on every model. Yeah. And when I went through the airport scanner, <laughs> the whole case just lit up. Yeah. And demagnetized half of it. Uh, right, we're going to go to um, we're going to go to Sean's number five. Uh, my number five is not playing in tournaments. I I know it's quite scary to actually get into a tournament scene, and you're thinking all the horror stories that you hear. But I really think it's quite important to actually get in there and have a bit of experience. Because as soon as you start playing, you find out first of all, you know, they play different ways of playing and seeing different ideas. Because Especially if you're playing just against a couple of mates, you never see different armies, you don't yeah. see different tactics, and it just gets a lot more interesting. There's just no better way of learning how to play than to play against lots of different people and lots of different armies, and there's no other way to do that really, other than regular tournament play if you can get it right. I mean, yeah, it's just, it just yeah. makes sense. I, th- I think it's just got a back stigma, uh, stigma to it, and I mean everyone's got a horror story, and I've got a couple. But saying that, I've had such great experiences all over the years. I've made so much friends in different countries because of it. Yeah. So I would really recommend just 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 trying it, and especially when you get to the lower tables, it's not so competitive. Everyone's there for a bit of fun. Yeah, I mean, and that's a great thing with I find with tournament play. I don't know if it's uh, I don't know if it's <laughs> are they there for a bit of fun? Aaron's going nah, <laughs> no, no, there's no fun. <laughs> Aaron Aaron does not know the meaning people. of the word <laughs> fun. Just play for fun, but um. The, the great thing about tournament play is whatever level you're at, that's where you'll find yourself through the tournament, right? You'll find yourself, particularly last couple of games, playing against other people who are kind of at a similar level or with, a, with an army that's at a similar level. I, I've got to say, when I first started and I wanted to go into tournaments, there were people who said, don't do it, it's, you know, it's different to playing in the shop or playing with your mates or, it's, you know, people are much more competitive... I haven't found any, maybe with one possible exception in one game, I haven't found any of that going on. Like everyone's been, the community has been really welcoming and friendly. So I am I basically say I'm agreeing with you. I, just, I think playing tournaments is a must. If you want to get better at the game, and, and presumably you do if you're listening to this, then then yeah, I'm, it's a great idea. Anything else to add on that, Brendan, or do you want to go straight to your number five? Well, I, I think, I mean, I agree with that. I think you should be trying to get into a, tournaments or at least hopping events as soon as you can but if you are intimidated by it, at least go and visit some of these events just walking around meeting the other players having a look at the armies can really sort of open up your you know, give you some new ideas and inspire you and maybe convince you to join in the next one yeah nice what, what have you got at five uh, my number five I had watching YouTube battle reports <laughs> as in don't do it that's a mistake uh, beginners make watching YouTube battle reports uh, well, I, I there think are there some, is some. There are some good ones. Yeah, there are some good ones out. There's some good ones out there, but there's just a few too many out there who take themselves too seriously. Who sometimes they make a lot of mistakes, uh, oh, but yeah. they present themselves with so much confidence that you take what they're saying as gospel, and they can perpetuate some bad ideas or even some uh, misreading of the rules throughout the community. Yeah, I think we've uh, we've talked about this kind of thing before, and uh, Sean, you brought up the point that people re- watch a battle report and they go, oh, is that how that works? And then you go to a tournament, and it's not actually how it works at all. It's not the rule or the unit or whatever. But And then you end up kind of having a conversation with someone at a tournament going, dude, that's just not right. Yeah, well, it's just that bit of misinformation, especially since some of these can be quite old. You don't see that the FAQs have gone, nah, that can't happen anymore. And you turn around and go, oh, I'll try and do this. And then somebody's like, oh, mate, they fixed that about six months ago. You can't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. It, it, It's just um, that. And I just find that some people um, perpetuate some things that aren't great in, in, the, in the sport, like, you know, putting a repulsor on train because it fits there and then saying that, that everyone does this in tournaments. And you're like, no, everyone does that. No, no, no. Generally discouraged. Marching. Uh, nights up hills and into <laughs> so even um, just simple things like uh, for instance when you're rolling uh, the number of wounds when you've got weapons that cause d3 damage uh, you know by the rules you should be resolving those one at a time because every attack gets resolved one at a time yeah uh, and too many 
uh, players will just group them all together, roll them as one lot, and it leads to a very different outcome. Yeah, and then when you when you're in a position where you're having to explain that to people, you know, this is actually that's not how it's supposed to work. We probably need to do this again, particularly if it's a you know if it's important man by man, you know, in a unit. Uh, then they start to feel like, oh, he's shaking me down. That's not how I, you know what I mean. He's play, this tournament player is having, having a go. Um, I like all of those. They're all really important things. These are all mistakes beginners make. But uh, tournament play. Tournament play wins. <laughs> um, I feel like we're going to get to uh, more of the internet soon. So that will make its way into the top five. But going in and slotting in at number five officially is uh, a mistake beginners make is not playing enough tournaments. It really is important. Let's go to number four. Aaron, what you got? Uh, picking loadouts incorrectly for units or just picking too much loadouts for units. What do you mean by that? Like uh, someone might take a Space Marine unit uh, of or an Assault Squad. Let's say an Assault Squad. And then they give the Assault Squad uh, a Flamer. They give it uh, the Eviscerator. Right. Uh, they just load it out with all the weapons possible. Um, and then you realise, well, when they deep strike, they're outside of nine inches, so the flame is useless, and you want him to get into combat. Right. So that's wasted nine points or so. Yeah, yeah. So you're just picking picking the wrong loadouts. So when you first start, you want to... You, actually, this is something I did, to be fair. You upgrade everything. You go, well, that looks cool. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Upgrade every single possible thing you can. Take all the big guns or all the thunder hammers and everything. But then at some point, the model itself is uh, cheaper than the loadout you're giving it. Yeah, yeah. So you so you're not getting you're not getting quality attacks anymore. No, you're no. getting uh, you're just like, but you know, yeah. Fair enough. Okay. So uh, loadouts, wrong loadouts. Yeah, I'm I'm a big proponent of that. Where you think about what this unit's actually supposed to be doing, because if it's supposed to be sitting in the backfield holding objectives, you don't want to have the plasma pistol on it, right? Which I've seen people doing. You're like, oh, that's really, you know, that's really cool from Themy, but if you if you want to be a bit more streamlined, then maybe not take placement pistols. Right. It's about, as you say, it's about thinking about what the unit is for, which is probably another, I don't know if anyone has this further down their list of beginner's mistakes, but that is something that probably a lot of beginners do is, um, and, you know, we're all, well, not all, I am still guilty of, occasionally is, is you like the look of the numbers in a thing. You know, you just do the math hammer on a, on a unit and you go, it's just too good, I want to put it in. But you don't actually think about where it fits into the army. We're kind of getting sidetracked based on what you said now, Aaron, but I feel like this is a whole different mistake that people make. But, um, okay, loadouts is something to think about. Anything to add, Brendan, before we move on? No, I think that's pretty well covers it, yeah. yeah. And, and there's a bit of crossover there with obviously magnetising your models. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. Okay. Uh, all right, let's go to Sean's number four. Uh, biggest mistake I know a lot of people do is actually listening to the internet. So they actually, exactly what we're doing here, where they'll hear something go, oh, plasma pistol on a squad, that's not a good idea. And you're like, uh, well, it depends on what squad you're taking, mate. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, it does come into that thing of um, listening to the internet is not going to give you all the advice, and especially um, if it sounds a bit janky. Don't listen to it. Right. If it sounds too good to be true, if it yeah. sounds too, yeah. So are we? is that the same as net listing? Is that what you're referring to, or is that a whole different um, I'm, category? No, I'm not thinking just net listing, because, I mean, net listing is, can be quite good, give you an idea of what you should aim for. Right. And like, oh, this is what people do. But I'm more thinking, like, when you listen to the internet, they talk about the new hotness, and then this is what you're going to do to beat Iron Hands. And you're like, well, some people take unauthorized lists and do really well it's just because they think about what they're doing right rather than just listening to the internet and saying oh this unit's bad or we can't take that one it's it's interesting too that the um it depends where on the internet you get something as well right and it, different i don't want to just single out facebook groups but different facebook groups have different attitudes uh i can tell you being when i was playing space wolves in the space wolves facebook group you know, there were some minor modifications to one rule where, the, where you get plus one on the charge, you get plus one to your attack roll. And all of Space Wolfdom celebrated. The, the whole kind of Facebook community for Space Wolves just went, oh, man, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. And then across in another Facebook group, which I don't want to name, they also got a bunch of new stuff and a new book and everything great. And because through the last couple of uh, iterations of this game, they've been really strong and now are not as strong, Everyone in that Facebook group was like, oh, this is crap. We need more. We need better. You know, and it's just different attitudes depending on where they come from. And also some groups, some online groups, and it goes back to what you're saying about YouTube, Brendan. 
some people really know what they're talking about and really are able to give good advice. <laughs> but the internet is also, that's probably 5% of the people out there. The internet, internet is full of people who dish out advice, whether it's warranted or not, you know, have, have bad information they just want to share. Maybe they got it from someone else on the internet and just they're sharing it around, you know. So, yeah, listening to the internet is a, is a genuine mistake. On the flip side of that, it can go well. Well, it's, it's just like any resource, just like YouTube, uh, it can go really well if you have um, full thought and just don't take it so literally. Right. But the more you watch it, the more you actually play this game, you realise that some of these people don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> and then you get on to other ones that like um, Vanguard Tactics, you know, they're, they're really good and stuff like right. that. Steve? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's number four. Unless you've got anything further to add to that, let's hear your number four, Brennan. Okay, uh, my number four is lack of focus. Now, yeah. particularly, um, I'm talking about the outside of the game, not so much within the game itself. But uh, So what I mean by this is there's so many options in the hobby at the moment, particularly now the release schedule is insane. And if you just looked in the last, well, last year or two, Outside of 40k, we've got all these other specialist games. Or, you know, there's Kill Team, there's Necromunda, there's stuff really regularly coming out from Blood Bowl, Aeronautica, Titanicus, um, Blackstone Fortress. Yeah, it goes on, yeah. and it's quite. And all of these games for a little while become the flavor of the month, particularly if you're regularly going into your GW store and they're really pushing that particular game. And so you see a lot of new players will come in and they spend all their money on Shadespire, and then the next month they're spending all their money on Rogue Trader. And if they want to focus on getting good at 40k, that's really where your focus should be. And if you do want to do side games, maybe just look at ones that complement that, like Kill Team. So you can still use your 40k models in that yeah. side game, and it gives you a different way to play. But yeah, if you're a new player and you've got a limited budget for building your collection, it's probably not a good idea to go and spread that out across a whole bunch of side games that you're probably just going to put in the shelf in three or four months' time. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, the, on the flip side of that, and playing Devil's Advocate for a second, do does playing some of these other games help with your 40K? I, I have never played any of the others, so I cannot comment on that. But if, if anyone's got experience with Kill Team or any of those other games, do, is there a chance that that helps your 40K, or does it just detract, do you think? Well, I, I would say one of the dangers is having too much confusion between different rule sets, it's particularly uh, 40K and Age of Sigmar at the moment are so similar rules-wise that right. those little differences can lead to some confusion. You could be remembering a, a rule, but that's the way that it's done in Age of Sigmar, not in 40K. Right, okay. I do think it's actually important to think about sometimes not burning out on the hobby as well because like 40K is pretty intensive sometimes and... Mm. I actually enjoy a bit of um, gaming with doing Blackstone Fortress. It's completely different from 40K. It's kind of set in the same universe, so you can get the same feelings. But, I mean, that's just our personal choice. But these smaller games are really nice if you're um, getting a bit too gamed out and just like, oh, I'm sick of playing the same games of 40K. They're, they're nice, but if you really want to be good at 40K, you have the focus on it. So Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... We're all, we're all, 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 again, all of these are really good points. Um, and I don't want anyone to think that I'm playing favourites here, but Sean gets number four as well. <laughs> Listening to the internet. But with an honorary mention to Brendan's number five, which we're going we're gonna to include that in there. So listening to the internet is going to include battle reports and everything else. You've got to take some of it with a grain of salt. And the big piece of advice would be to make sure that whatever you're watching, whatever you're listening to, that the people have some sort of cred. I'm a fan of tabletop tactics, for example... Because I know that Lawrence is a tournament-winning player. You know, he's a guy that when he says, this, I think this unit's good, or um, he tends to not rag on units too much, actually, so he doesn't throw in a lot of the, lot of the negative. But he, he uh, you know, he's reasonable in his arguments about things, and you go, well, that, he, he knows what he's talking about. Maybe I should listen to some of it. And then some of it will or won't apply to what you're doing. But anyway, listening to the internet is a big mistake. Let's go to Aaron's number three. Uh, my number three is just copying uh, lists from top uh, tournament players. Okay. Net listing? Net listing, yeah, more or less. And oh. uh, not knowing how it exactly works and taking it to a tournament or taking it to your local store and then just getting walked all over because you don't know what you're doing with it. Right. So, uh, again, playing devil's advocate here, I do think, um, and you mentioned it 
a moment ago, Sean, that, yeah, you're right, that netlisting is in a way bad because you, you shouldn't just be copying, copying, unless you understand. But if you're new to the game and you want to know that at least this is a list that works, this is a good list, then maybe the idea of having that as a target to shoot for, because one of the mistakes, going back to your loadouts, one of the big mistakes I made, and this is, this is probably lack of focus as well, it, it encompasses everything, listening to the internet and not magnetising and everything, but one of the mistakes I made early on was um, not having that list in mind that, that I was building towards. So you go, oh, that's a good unit, or you get talked into this is new flavour going, oh, that's great. I've got now on my shelf so many things that I'll never paint and use because they're just, they didn't end up being in the list that I decided I wanted, the direction I wanted to go, you know? Whereas if I'd gone, let's, let's go with that list. That guy plays it, that guy wins a lot. Sure, I'm not that guy, but at least it gives me a, a target or something to shoot for. I'm not disagreeing with your, I am a little bit. <laughs> But, but uh, I've heard netlisting arguments for and against. I mean, anything can be for and against. There are things like if you're going to take a shock attack gun for orcs, you are always going to take a shock attack gun because it's, it's a really good unit. So it doesn't matter if you look at the top list or not, they mm. normally always have a shock attack gun. But it's more the, the tricky lists that focus around special characters and auras and abilities that some people are just amazing at and then other people just forget them. Right. And... and makes it that much harder for um, you to play that list. So there's, like, um, some of the lists I've seen, like there was that scout list a couple of years ago, or Elicta Shame, which is also another list, which just came out of left field. No one knew how it worked, and then uh, I think it was Sean Naden that brought them, and then Sean Naden won tournaments with them, and you like, and they go, how, how is this possible? I've, I've never seen these models on the table, let alone yeah. win tournaments. So you have to, exactly the same as what the YouTube is listening to the internet, is also about when you're looking at the, at the list, don't just focus on one list. If you look at a couple of different lists that are winning tournaments, they normally have a couple of key units. Right. So then when you know what the key unit is, it doesn't matter with a little bit of fluff that you can put on the side, that is personal choice, you still have the core of that army that works really well. Yeah, yeah. The other uh, thing with netlisting, well, I think when you're first starting, it's nice to have a, uh, you know, just a list that you're building towards, particularly as Brendan was pointing out. I mean, this isn't a, the cheapest hobby in the world if you're going in and spending your money on units. Just spending your money on just stuff that, you know, whatever that looks good. It's cool if that's what you want to do. But if you're building to become competitive, then having a target list in mind is not a bad thing. But when you get a bit more into it, you definitely, um, I think you've, you've, if you fall into the trap of just, say, going and copying Jim Vessel's list... <laughs> <laughs> which someone in this room might have <laughs> might have done recently. Um, then me, I'm talking about. So uh, just take the heat off everybody else. The but horror. The horror. But the um, the 30 horrors. <laughs> the, uh, the thing with it is, though, um, once you get a bit more into the game and a bit more experienced and you've played a few more times and you've been to a few tournaments, once you're a bit further along, then I think netlisting is just bad. Then you've got to you've got to come up with your own ideas because if you just take the same stuff to tournaments all the time, people are used to it. People have seen it; they know how to deal with it. And then you you've got to actually start being someone who can go. Do you know what? I've had a look at the codex and I've got an idea. I reckon this will work with that stratagem and that relic and that warlord and whatever. I reckon pulling all that together would be something that no one else has seen or no one else seems to be doing right now. But that only comes with a bit of experience, right? That's kind of. Yeah, but that's all trial and error as well. So yeah. a lot of things, especially some of the things I find out, like you, you got a good like one-day tournament down here and you start playing things that you wouldn't normally wouldn't do. And you're like, oh, I'll just see what this can do. Mm. And you get such such good ideas and I think it works really well, especially since units normally sit on the shelf for a little bit of time. So you can go, go back to some of the units that you just had sitting around and right. it doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, yeah. So that goes back to play tournaments, play games. Get out there. Uh, we've spent a lot of time on netlisting. Uh, let's go to Sean's number three. Um, my number three is um, not taking um, aware, or not aware of um, movement and deployment and how okay. important it is. So not, not knowing movement and deployment. That's, yeah. I feel like that's two very large, like that's the game. Deployment and then movement are just, that's such a big part of the game, right? Um, yeah, it's to me it's one of those things where I there's a couple of games I've known that I've won in deployment because somebody's put either put his whole army on a flank and it's a slow army. You're like, well, okay, well, I'll just play keep away from you, and then I've won the game. It's, yeah. it's I mean, it's not fun sometimes for other people, but 
I mean, these are important lessons you should learn, like especially, um, yeah, foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> foreshadowing things <laughs> yeah, further yeah, down yeah. the list. Yeah. Um, but the but the thing is, people get sidetracked again, again, particularly if you're you're just starting out. You get sidetracked by the math hammer. You go, oh, look at all the shooting. Look at the guns. Look what I can kill with that weapon. Um, which is no use to anyone if you're not able to move to get into range to use the weapon or or if you're not aware of what the range of the other guy's weapons are so you just wander blindly into some zone oh. where you're going to get wiped out before you get a chance to shoot or charge. Oh, well, the funny thing is it's kind of like um, being an admic player, like when some of our guns are only 36 inches and people go, oh, oh well, I'll, just, I'll sit 40 inches away. And like I move 12 inches. So I'm, I can yeah, be yeah. there yeah. literally to shoot you. So I have a 48-inch range, not a... Not a thirty-six inch range, right? And you just have to kind of explain this to people, and then there's ways you can manipulate that. So then it makes it a little bit more things that you just have to keep in mind. But um, especially moving for um, objectives and stuff like that, if you're playing a slower army, you have to make sure that you're moving towards something for the mission, right? Rather than just sitting there and casting up and going, "Oh, I'm tall, I can shoot everything." And a really common deployment mistake, uh, so to taking de- deployment and movement separately, if these are th- two things we can deal with separately, a really common deployment mistake is you've got an army that really needs to be close together because you've got a whole lot of buffs from your characters, you've bought, all the, you've bought your chapter master and your lieutenant for the, all the re-rolls, and then you spread everything out because you you've got objective over there and an objective over there. So you kind of go, well, let's park something on there and then put something in the middle, spread out the... like. You know, maybe make a screen, but suddenly everything's spread out, so you don't have any of the benefits that you bought all these things for. Or alternately, bring in stuff that kind of needs to be spread out and bunching it all up and just making it easy to shoot at and explode. Um, another funny one that I find that a lot of people do is they, you know, you win the role to you know deploy first, and you think, oh, I'm going to go first, so they deploy everything on the line, yeah, going, yeah. oh, this is great, and then they get seized. It's, I mean, if you got six round tournament. One game you should get seized on. Yeah. You've got to go first each turn. So it's kind of like one of those things that you have to think about. Well, what happens if I don't get first turn? Or if you're playing against Aaron with his magic dice, you get seized <laughs> on way more than is mathematically uh, probable. So, yeah, 100%. That's a lesson. I feel like that's a lesson you learn. Very first tournament I played, very first tournament, very first game, uh, exactly that thing happened. So that's a real hard lesson to learn. We all deploy. Guy's got all these big guns and a chapter master for all the rerolls. I think I'm going first, frontline it, boom, he sees us, I'm dead. <laughs> That's it, game over, basically. There's a lot of common sense in it as well. I mean, even if you're not fully tactical and where you're deploying it, you're not going to put your tanks up the front and your troops at the back, are you? I mean, we're not going to do a Game of Thrones Season 8 with the catapults at the front and the troops <laughs> behind it. There is a little bit of common sense involved. Sure. In it, so. Yeah, and you, it's like it does go back to what Sean was referring to earlier, which is kind of, just having a sense of what you're trying to achieve with each thing you've got. If you've, you know, if you've, if you're putting a unit into your army, having a, an idea of what it's there for, and then from there you'll get an idea of how to deploy it and how to how to move. But all this again goes back to playing games and trial and error and learning from your mistakes. Brendan, you got anything you want to add to that part of the conversation before we move to your number three? Well, I might just piggyback off that one for my number three. Actually, I've got Go on. Uh, sort of a side topic of that. Um, originally, my number three was not attending events, but we've covered that. So uh, instead, um, what I was going, what occurred to me is the number of times I see new players not pre-measuring correctly. And what I mean by that is, once upon a time, there was no pre-measuring 40k. You had to guess ranges, and then once you'd committed to doing something, then you could measure for it. And it was a big deal when they introduced pre-measuring into the game. But now I see a lot of new players, particularly, will pre-measure everything. And all you're doing is advertising to your opponent exactly what your intentions are, where that model's going to move or where you're thinking of shooting. If you're doing it in their turn or the turn beforehand trying to plan ahead, you're just giving away information to your opponent. Right. And so sometimes it's a good idea if just be a bit more cagey with exactly how you're doing your measurements or you can measure other things in the same vicinity just to (laughs) kind of just gauge how far away your units are, but without just telling me exactly what you're going to do. Well, the, you or just can... measure things measure things you have no intention of shooting at or moving, just to try and throw them off. You can't see this uh, because you, you, you can see me but not the others just so behind the scenes so people listening know. 
Brendan's in Auckland via Skype, can see me, but not Sean. And Sean's kind of laughing and about to chime in with something, but I'm not sure whether he's going to agree or disagree with this. Well, I mean, there's two things that I find really funny about that is, first of all, it is always a great bluff. So somebody's deploying something and you just measure it and go, oh, that's 12 inches. And they go, what's that for? Don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> and they're, they're like, ah, oh, no, no, it's all good. Um, so that's, that's one thing. But second of all, it's always really good when it's your turn to pre-measure and just keep it in, in, in mind so that the opponent being really clear with the opponents of what you're doing. Right. So, because there's nothing worse than being like checking, going, oh, that's 12 inches. And then, oh, I need 11 to charge. And then they re- they go, oh, no, that's not 12 inches. And you're like, I'm pretty sure we just measured that. So yeah, you yeah. measure it again. Like, you know, it's just one of those things. I don't know if anyone's uh, got this in their top two, but I do think that's something that, uh, particularly at tournaments, and again, people get all wound up about how competitive it is, but I, I have found that as long as there's that statement of intent, then everything's, everything's cool. Like if you say to someone, look, I'm going to put this here because I think from here you can't see it. Can you please check and tell me if you can see it? And, most, and then that way everybody's clear they can or they can't. If you need to shift it, you have to shift it. Most, most people are really honest with things and be like, oh, did, did you mean that? Just just twist your model so the power sword's not sticking outside the building yeah. and stuff, stuff like that. Most people are really cool about that. But, I mean, you're going to get the worst, some some players that have to win it at all costs. Yeah, like Brendan with his, uh, you know, being cagey with his measuring. <laughs> pointing, at, <laughs> pointing at different units and saying, oh, nothing, just uh, having a look at that over there. <laughs> it's actually really clever. Um, all right. Well, well, not, you shouldn't you shouldn't intentionally mislead your opponent. No, uh, no, no, no. Just I saying, am. like, don't 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 make it completely obvious what you're going to do next turn. Right so by just... by measuring uh, from your gun to his base <laughs> and going yeah. in his turn before anything's happened. Oh, I just wanted to check if you're within forty eight uh, or within the movement plus gun range of my guy. Okay, just just checking that, and then he shifts back one inch. Okay. <laughs> Um, okay, well, just because I feel sorry for him, pre-measuring is actually going to get the win there. So that comes in at number third. I do feel I feel like not knowing movement and deployment is is, is a really important one. This is something that we've, if you're going in, if you're starting out, you do get really sidetracked by the assault phase, and you know the the, the sorry the shooting first of all. People get right into the shooting phase, and it's all about the big guns, and then the the fighting phase. Actually, way more than the more important than the fighting is the assault. That's another three, six, nine, twelve inches of movement, depending on what units you've got. You know, further up the board if that's where you need to be, or further over towards an objective if that's where you need to be. Right. So, so you can think of it as a second movement phase. You know what I mean? Still haven't left the shooting phase. So. <laughs> Except Aaron. Aaron's all about that. That's it. There's only one phase in the game of Warhammer. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go to number two, Aaron. What you got? Uh, moving out of uh, bubbles and moving off objectives um, because there's a uh, Something else you want to shoot, or just making making mistakes, and moving stuff away from from um, like objectives and losing points. So, can we sum that up by not playing the mission? Is that what you're saying, or is it this is a different thing? Um, I don't so, want to preempt anyone else's so number it, it one here. It is a little but... bit, a little bit of not playing the mission, but quite often I might accidentally move something in range to shoot a target, but now I've I've moved it outside of one of my oh, reroll bubbles. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, when I kind of wanted that reroll. But I can't go back and, and, and take that back now. So so that almost yeah. goes back to knowing your movement and deployment that Sean was talking about, right? So and, and it, it's a really great example of why that movement phase is so important. That you, you and it happens all the time. <laughs> you do move just slightly too far away from the objective. So suddenly, you where you thought you were holding the objective, you've actually to keep a unit in coherency. Maybe you've moved it that way to get within range of something. So you want all you guys in range to shoot, or whatever the reason is. And suddenly, you go to kind of count up the points at the end of the round, and you're like, "Oh crap! Oh, <laughs> I, I don't mean, have that anymore." I've, I've been I've been known to do this. Is you know, you get the whole think of, "Oh, I can double tap, tap. I've got like stuff that can rapid fire in range. Oh, I'll just move them all up." So you got the whole squad, and then you get outside the reroll bubble, and you're like, "Oh no!" It's just and the worst one is actually assault. Because normally sometimes you assault so you can get onto objective. Yeah. And then you flow in because you just want to get those extra attacks. And then after you've done that, you're like, oh, I can't, I can't go back. Oh, yeah. No. Another really common one, do it all the time, hopefully I'm learning, is you have your character that offers the buff in the fight phase. And you've got your Wolfen, for example. Wolfen make the charge, character doesn't, but the Wolfen are already all in out of the six-inch bubble range. So now having the character there is pointless because they don't get the buff anyway. So it's kind of just one of those... Little things. Remember to leave someone just close enough, or do the math on whether or not the attacks, you know, the the, the buff is worth it. But 
presumably you've got that buffing character there for a reason. But yeah, all the time people moving out of range. Uh, can I just throw something else into that? Because it's reminded me of it, not because it's directly related. But another really common thing is uh, if you're in the fight phase, shooting phase, whatever it might be, particularly fight phase, is taking model the wrong models away. Uh, so you end up in a position where remembering the rule is that if, if you can't move in the next movement phase, if you can't move guys into coherency, then you can't move at all. So if you're taking stuff out of the middle because at either end you want to be on objectives or you've kind of strung out a long line of uh, models you know, for a screen or whatever reason, or because you can attack at both ends, um, and then you're taking models out of the middle because you want to maintain, you know, stay on those objectives. It's, I've seen it done before in a game where some guy's taking models, too many models out of the middle, and suddenly you're like, you're left with two separate units, essentially. And then you think, that's okay, in the movement phase I'll be able to move them back together, but someone parks a tank in the middle of the line now, or whatever, they just kind of move it, move in a way so that you can't actually get around to be together. It's not uh, probably one of the most common beginner's mistakes, but what you were saying just reminded me. Sean, what have you got at number two? Um, I'm literally piggybacking off that. Um, mine's uh, auras and abilities, and please remember them. Um, there's so many times that I've finished a game where somebody's gone, oh, I forgot to use a special rule, or I forgot that I get rerolls to my saves, or something like that, and you're just oh. like, well, I mean, it's just one of those things where you're just like, oh, unfortunately, man, like you have to remember them during the game. Like I'm not talking about one or two phases. I'm talking about normally after the game. Right. And it's just... Um, I. Especially if you're using a new army, what I normally do is just make a little cheat sheet, so it just has yep. what phase things happen in. And especially like it was, you know, start of the shooting phase is a prime example is a dialogist for Admech. You choose a unit at the start of start of the shooting phase, so you can't do it halfway through and then go, oh, I'll, I'll use this guy now. You're supposed to do it at the start, so yeah, it's yeah. kind of like just remembering rules and how to do it. What's the nice guy uh, way to do this? With a, normally, what I will do is. If you've moved, say someone forgets a, a thing that's supposed to happen in the shooting phase, right? They're supposed to activate something or use a thing, use a unit. They forget to shoot a unit. Let's use something big. They've got a unit. They forget to shoot it. We move into the next phase, the charging phase. They charge a couple and then they go, oh, crap, I didn't shoot that unit. Is it too late? Um, I normally just give um, one or two, two leniencies. So, like, it's one of those things where it's just like, oh, you know, especially if it's the first round, the second round, that you know, you kind of forget things. There's so much things on the table. Mm. But I'll just go, oh, I'll give it to you this time, but just just try and remember. And then if they do it the next phase, you're just like, well, come on, mate. It's, yeah, you know, yeah. It, I know. I feel like if if nothing of consequence changes because of you know going back and shooting a unit, like if they've forgotten it, you haven't moved too far further through the game, okay. shooting it now doesn't actually make any major difference to, you know what I mean, to the next part, then that's fine. Yeah, but I also think um, this happened to me in a tournament recently. Um, I was um, One unit was in close combat. Um, a, un a unit he could have flowed into a different unit he chose not to because it has quite a lot of attacks and then I uh, pulled my objectives for the next turn battle round was over and I had score objective 5 and I, all I had to do is just move straight forward oh no I meant to wrap that I'm like well I mean, oh, no, that's a different like, <laughs> the, you have to draw a line and say well actually mate I think this is a little bit unfair yeah, yeah. like you have to be nice in tournaments but you don't have to be the nice guy yeah you, you don't have to be... Uh, there's a limit, right? I was playing a game against a guy really recently who rolled uh, an advance move with his... He had a unit of guys there and he rolled an advance move and it was a six. And great. And then he says to me, do you mind if I roll the advance move for my HQ before I move them? And I went, I don't want to be the, that guy, but I feel like that's... No, I'm going to say no to that. Like, you've rolled a six. If you choose to move all six and your HQ only rolls a one then that's just how that works. That's the order you did it in. Yeah, but I mean, it's still in the movement phase. You can always just move them 12 inches and then if you well, roll he, that one... He could choose can... to move his guys, not the full six. Yeah. But he I'm saying then... Move, move back as well. Like, it's not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not, not logical. But yeah. rolling, rolling the advance move for your HQ before you make your decisions about what then happens, I feel like that's... Anyway, uh, Brendan, anything else to add to that? So we've got uh, moving away from objectives, which flows nicely into auras and abilities... Um, it's the, it's uh, that same big thing of just making sure everyone's where they need to be to get the maximum out of your units, right? Yeah, I think also on that topic, just quickly, one of the things that um, the real nuanced part of the game is the whole uh, combat phase steps of the pile-in, attack, consolidate, which yeah. I think a lot of new players, that don't, they just get... They, they just, 
pile everything in as much as they can, and they do their attacks, and they don't consolidate. And that's where you really see the difference between the more experienced players who will, who will maximize their chances, their attacks, with their pylon move while trying to limit what their opponent can do, and then use the consolidate move as much as possible to their advantage. Right. And again, that could be for extra movement, or it could be that you're just trying to be a bit jinky with it and like brush up against a tank, but not necessarily, or a unit. Maybe you don't want to kill it, maybe you want to wrap it. So you, the way you pile in, you don't just have to throw everything in and get all the attacks, in and, and then you've killed the unit and you've got nothing to wrap, and you're out in the open getting shot at. So, yeah, there's lots of, lots of little nuances of the game that you can get from, the, from that movement. Another, actually, another really important thing, if you're a newer player, to note is that every phase happens. Whether, there are, whether you don't have a psychic, you know, you might not have psychers and the other guy might not have psychers, but the psychic phase technically still happens because there might be some things that the other guy is able to do in that phase, right? So, and the same thing for the uh, fight phase. If you, even if you haven't charged uh, uh, a unit in or if it's not your turn and nothing's happened, the fight phase is still happening. So you still get piling and consolidation as part of that phase. And a lot of people forget that every phase is happening all the way through the game. That's something I think beginners need to to remember because it can actually be uh, really important, particularly in that phase of the game. Uh, and what's your number two? Uh, so my, my number two was starting with the wrong army. Huh. And, <laughs> and I, I think that a lot of newer players don't take the time to really have a look because there's so many different armies in the game and they all play differently and what might aesthetically be attractive about an army to you may not actually translate on the battlefield with something that suits the way that you want to play the game. Um, generally, I think a lot of new players are going to just start with what comes in the starter set. So at the moment, that would be your Primaris Marines or your Death Guard. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if you may not want to play. You might want to play a really fast combat army, which neither of those really suit. You might be more inclined to play Orcs or Dark Elder. Uh, so playing Death Guard for instance, it might just be really frustrating for you because they're, they're a bit slow and ponderous. They might be more of a shooting army, whereas you want to play a combat army. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so and I think that can really just lead to new players not being satisfied with the game, not really having much fun with it at first because the army you pick doesn't suit what you want to get out of the game. Yeah, no, fair enough. And I think that... Uh... One of the big things is maybe you've got to have a real good look at it before you sort of make a big financial commitment to the game. Is, you know, in a way, you, you've got to figure out whether, whether or not you want to be competitive at the game or whether or not you just want to collect the models and paint them. And For me, it was a little bit different because my focus changed. At first, I thought, well, these are just cool models. I just want to have, you know, collect a few, paint them. And then it was only once I started playing that I realised the army I was collecting was really rubbish <laughs> and I needed to, to shift my focus. So it was really rule of cool first. And then moving into the more competitive... Which army was that one? Black Templar, which if I hadn't sold them all off, yeah. might, be, might be good again. But um, they, they just... Uh, they, they lost too many times. And, uh, you know, and again, listen, I made all the mistakes, all of these mistakes, listening to the internet. And, uh, and you know, another big one... I'm going to throw this in now. I don't imagine anyone has got it in their top one, so I'm not preempting anything. But I want to give an honorary mention as a mistake beginners make to getting discouraged with a model or a unit because it dies so fast in one game. Like the Land Raider Crusader that when I was playing against Aaron, he shot off the board in one turn with a bunch of uh, Hellblasters. Hellblasters one-shotted this Land Raider Crusader and blew it up. And I thought, well, that's the last time I'm ever taking that stupid thing. And, and it was. Yeah, I don't think he played I never, it. I never took game. it to another game, which actually is a bit stupid. Because yeah. <laughs> it's... it's that was that was some obviously great skillful shooting and great play, but realistically the dice just kind of went well for you and badly for me, and the land raider just blew up. A two up save with prepared positions on an eighteen point eighteen wound unit shouldn't be that hard to kill. <laughs> it's it's actually not a bad unit, you know. Anyway, and there are lots of lots of times you'll take a unit to a game, they get one shot out off the board, and you go, "Well, I'm never taking them again." Well, I mean, discouraged. They, they always say that as soon as you paint it, it's always going to be the first thing that dies on the table. New model syndrome, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that have a, have a few games. And normally if it's a good unit, people will focus on it first. So don't be too discouraged if you don't get to use your new toy. Yeah, same with the Void Raven bomber. I tried someone, I tried a mate's Void Raven uh, taking up Drew Carey. Tried a mate's Void Raven. 
Aaron shot it off the board first turn. I went, well, I'm not going to buy one of those then, am I? Well, if you talked about movement and deployment, you might have figured out deploying it right at the back would probably be <laughs> I best. I did. I did deploy it at the back. <laughs> he just had some stupid, like, 200-inch gun range to shoot at it from. Okay, let's move into our... Oh, hold on. So, uh, going into number two, I'm going to give Aaron. Moving away from objectives and auras and abilities, all Aaron and Sean get... Because uh, it's the same. The same. But Aaron takes the point. How about that? Uh, all right, let's go to number one. Number one on the b- mistakes beginners make. I feel like I should have a drum roll, but let's just go into uh, Aaron, what you got? All right, for me, um, having a brief overview of the different armies and what they're capable of. Oh, make it a bit wordier, will you? I'm writing these down as we go. <laughs> so can, can you, what's a two-word summary of that? Wrong. Knowing the opponent. <laughs> <laughs> knowing what you're playing. Oh, knowing what you're playing. Knowing what you're playing against. Oh, okay. Have a, have a brief idea of, of what they're capable of. Knowing what you're playing against. Okay, all right. Very good. So this is, I've, I've uh, come up against this quite a few times. So um, a few tournaments ago, Kraken uh, Gene Stealers. Yeah. Had no idea how fast they could move. Right. But I know now. <laughs> yeah. And I'm playing them uh, for my first uh, matchup in the next tournament. Right. So I'm going to be... As far away as possible. As you as you listen to this, by the time this comes out, uh, you'll be looking yeah, back I'm, in time. Probably, we're we're all lost. we're three out of the four of us are going to a tournament uh, this weekend, and uh, so we're kind of prepping for that. I I don't know what you're moaning about. I'm playing against Iron Hands, <laughs> so, and everybody knows what they do now, I suppose. But uh, yeah, you're right. The hundred percent. This is something that. Um, Quite often you'll find that the losses you, you take, or the worst losses, are, the, are against armies. You just don't know what they do. Uh, again, I similarly recently played against Crimson Fists, and I was like, I just, I didn't know that they, if they outnumber you, any, if, uh, yeah, if they outnumber you in a unit, they get plus one of their hit rolls. That's ridiculous when you're playing hordes against them. <laughs> so their infantry goes into your infantry, and suddenly they're getting plus one for whatever the relic is, plus one for the litanies of whatever it is, and then plus one to the hit rolls as well, and plus one for charging, and they just wipe out your whole uh, unit of blood letters with five guys. Still, you live and learn, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Well, most people Still do. Learning. I, I make yep. the same mistakes over and over. But, but this is the whole point of playing, really. Sometimes you just you just have to adapt your tactics on the fly, and I mean, I've been called out quite a few times of not 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 giving enough respect to certain units, thinking, oh, yeah. oh that, remember playing them, they're not that great, or, you know. And then turn around and next minute they're taking half, half your army. So yeah, I, I, do, I do feel for it, but I mean it's one of those things that you can't always um, focus around because you have to just think about what you can do as well. I'm I'm inherently lazy, and also I hate studying stuff. So like the more you play, it goes back to your point at number five: playing tournaments, playing games, playing against new armies all the time. I find that a lot more fun than sitting down and researching. You know, every codex and every unit. If you're going into a tournament, sure, you've kind of got to have an idea of what the other guys can do. But the easier way to get that is by playing lots of games against lots of different armies. The danger is you'll play against Space Marines and they're crap, and then they release a whole bunch of new codexes and you go back and play them again, and they're not crap anymore. Oh, I think this also goes back to the net listing, where if you just take a, a, a list from the internet, everyone's heard of it and can get you where, I mean, like, Doing, doing something that people aren't expecting, especially if you find a nice little niche that you enjoy playing, yeah. uh, they just don't, can't expect it. Okay. that's uh, I like that as a number one. So what have, what have you got, uh, Sean? Um, mission, 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 <laughs> and mission. Okay. Um, this is the most important... Do you mind if I only write that down? Oh, well, I'll write it down once times five. Six. Okay, <laughs> six. All right. Um, Maybe my not good at counting is why I'm not good at Warhammer. <laughs> <laughs> Helps with the mouse. Um... Well, the most important thing to me especially is focus on the mission because there's so many people that just focus on either wiping out the army or doing the extra bit of damage and not scoring the point for that turn. Yeah. And sometimes this really bites them in the bum. Um, and it also comes back to, like, you know, people, all they think about is, oh, that first turn I can destroy half their army. Well, I mean, it's it's all good if you leave your rest of your army so that can be destroyed and yeah. not focus on what the mission is. It's, it's quite bad, and especially with this... One now where if you tailbill your opponent doesn't mean that you automatically win anymore. Right. It means that there are so many ways to win a mission even if you've lost your army. Yeah, we've all had that situation of you wipe out most of their army, they've still got one guy left on the table, they win. Because that one guy is holding an objective that gets them a couple of points for defend or something like that, you know what I mean? Yeah, play the mission is... Do you even want to bother with your one, Brendan? Because that's going to (laughs) win. 
What did you have at well, what did you have at number one for argument's sake? Uh, so, so my one is the hobby hiatus. Now this is probably something that you didn't experience yourself, Steve, but uh, Sean and I probably went through this. Uh, a lot of hobbyists, when they start out quite young, they'll get really into the, into the game, and then usually they'll hit their late teens, early twenties, and suddenly they've got other interests, and they'll they won't play as much. They'll sell off their armies, uh, and then inevitably, once they then, you know, a few years down the road, they've got a job, they've got some more time, they've got some more money. They'll come back to the game, have to buy everything again, have to get back up to speed with the rules, uh, have to make all the social connections again because uh, they've completely dropped out of the hobby community, and now they've come back in. Mm. So I, I just think if you're gonna, if you have been burnt out with the game, or uh, you don't want to play competitively anymore or you just don't have the time for it, you can still find other ways to stay engaged. You can you can keep reading the novels, you can try some side games, play things like you know, Blackstone Fortress or Necromunda, Blood Bowl, anything, just to you know, just get that little regular doses of the hobby yeah, rather yeah. than just cutting it off completely and because most of us will inevitably come back. And yeah. there is one one guy I know of locally, uh, who's an Age of Sigma player he has sold uh, and then repurchased the same army four times now over the last couple of years. Because of girls. I mean, other interests. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. Other interests. Yeah. I know. You can still, you can still get White Dwarf magazine. Your girlfriend will be okay with that. Or boyfriend or whoever it might be. So, uh, yeah, look, that's a legit point, um, but it's still Play the Mission has to get the number one spot. Sorry, mate. So that's going in there. So we got our top five, our official top five at the end of that. And look, and the, again, we'll go back to the point of this being more the conversation. Pretty much everything we've discussed is a legitimate thing. These are all mistakes that we have all made and all been through. And this is just so that you can maybe go, okay, that's something for me to bear in mind. Um, but playing play tournaments... Uh, because not playing tournaments, not playing games against people other than that one guy you know, is it's a mistake. Uh, listening to the internet is a mistake, and that goes to battle reports and everything else on the internet. Uh, pre-measuring and knowing your deployment and knowing your movement, all of these things are big mistakes. Uh, sorry, pre-measuring and, and, and in any other way, letting your opponent know exactly what you have in mind for, for the next turn is kind of what we were driving at before. Uh, moving away from objectives, auras, and abilities goes in at number two. And the number one is play the mission, 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 mission. Thanks, guys, for coming in. Really appreciate it. Uh, Aaron Wilson. All right, thank you. Sean Sullivan, see you next time. Thanks a lot. And uh, Brendan D. all the way from Auckland. Thanks for being here. We will thank you. S- we'll see you next time on Properly Cocked. <laughs>